Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, bad fo- Oh. I forgot I was on the internet for a minute. You just got called out. That's what she said. You will get made in the meat pies. Yes, come on! Come on. It's pretty absurd. Bad Philosophy. Episode 34. Recorded on May 25th, 2009. A squishy affricate. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, bad philosophy. Upsetting the balance of reality one rabbit trail at a time. And this time we're upsetting it from across the world. That's right. We've got a special guest on the show today coming all the way from South Korea, uh, Julie Meadows. Ah, 안녕하십니까. 저는 Julie입니다. 외국 사람입니다. 반갑습니다. 안녕하세요. <laughs> That's all the Korean I know, really. Um, yeah. We've also got, of course, you know him, you love him, we couldn't do a show without him, Kevin Saunders. Hey there, hi there, ho there. And uh, finally, a, a new guest, I guess. Um, Jordan, have we had, had you on ever before? No, never before. Never before. He this was is... briefly heard in the background of the episode about Dollhouse. Oh, really? Okay. So, but uh, otherwise, this is, this is Jordan's first episode of, uh, of Bad Philosophy, so we're, we're happy to have him on the show here. Uh, Jordan Mueller. Yes, hello, everyone. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're really pleased to have, uh, to have Julie on the show here. Ed. So I think the, the farthest away that a, um, that a guest on Bad Philosophy has ever been from the actual recording <laughs> location. So uh, congratulations, Julie. This, you have set a record. All right. <laughs> um, now, what we're going to be doing... Uh, well, first, Julie, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing over there in, in South Korea? Um, I am an exchange student from Texas Tech University, uh, I'm attending the University of Ulsan in Ulsan, South Korea. Um, it's on the kind of southeast-ish coast. Um, it's a uh, smaller city by Korean standards. I think there's like 1.5 million people or whatever. But anyway, I am um, taking intensive Korean language classes, so um, which means I'm in class for 20 hours a week. Oh, man. And um, I also teach English three days a week at a uh, local elementary school. It's kind of a government program I'm participating in. And um, basically they paid for a lot of stuff, and so I took the job. Um, so I teach fourth, fifth, and sixth graders three days a week. Oh, so cool. that's what I am doing in Korea. All right. And my school, my school is going to run until the end of July. So you people with a summer vacation... I hate you. <laughs> well, uh, that that wouldn't be me or Jordan here. Uh, we're actually no, we're, we're we're back up here at Texas Tech because it's the beginning of summer session. Uh, in fact, right. today today was the first day of uh, summer classes. So we're, uh, right. we're not getting too much of a break, though. Yeah. We do get to uh, enjoy the leisure pool, the very controversial project that was just completed up here at, at Tech, um, as often as we like. <laughs> so Nice. Um, <laughs> Yes, and it's as I understand, it's much drier here than it is in Korea right now, but uh, not any hotter, really. <laughs> no. It's pretty hot, pretty humid, but yeah. But you're grinning and bearing it, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's kind of nice to be able to catch a bus and be at the beach in an hour, so. Yeah, yeah. Can't say I'm going to complain too much. Is the beach there, like, pretty nice, or? Um... Yeah, huh. I guess so. It's really pretty. 
a lot prettier than the Gulf of Mexico, I would have to say. Yeah, the, nice the beaches. I'm sorry, the, the Texas beaches are are mostly pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're very poor excuses for beaches. But yeah. uh, well, anyway, we're going to talk about uh, something sort of related to what uh, what Julie's undergoing right now. Um, Kevin, why don't you go ahead and introduce the topic idea for today? Okay, well, uh, normally we record uh, these BFs on Monday. At least that's been our summer schedule. By the way, my summer uh, is going to be empty, doing very, very little. Uh, so, for example, instead of going to class today, I watched a movie and then watched another movie and then read the internet. Just oh, and I understand you're also working on, uh, on the BF remix? Um, theoretically. <laughs> Techno is hard. And I don't understand techno. And so making techno with very limited tools and understanding of how any of that works is... I've got, I've got a backbeat. The problem is it gets out of sync with itself. Oh, hmm. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. But I, I was actually trying to do an all-Kevin remix um, using solely clips from the soundboard and making myself... Using my words as all of the instrumentation, uh, and so the the backbeat is actually composed of all the very short words I say, like yes and nerd and things like that. Oh, okay, what what are you using to uh, to make this this master? Uh, well, the beat I created with Hammerhead 1.0, which is which makes beats, um, and theoretically, I'm going to then import those into. A program, Mad Tracker, Mad which Tracker, is, which is the tracker program, and apparently a tracker is what you use to make techno. Okay. Hmm. Again, more information than I had even a week ago, and I still have <laughs> no idea. I open Mad Tracker and I look at it, and then I close it again and go on about my day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are uh, we are eagerly anticipating whatever you are able to put together with that. So. Yeah. And, uh, uh, on another similarly related note of BF-related back projects, I just recorded uh, this past week Cory Doctorow's Scroogled, which is one of his short stories. Uh, I did a recording of it, and we'll hopefully edit that in the near future and probably put it out on this feed um, and let people listen to it. Yeah, we, we'd be happy to host it. Um, Cory Doctorow, so, of course, a, a big... Um, Big uh, hero of ours here on the show. We've talked about his works many times before, and he's mm-hmm. uh, he's a generally awesome individual. You can check out all of his stuff at craphound.com. Is that right? Yeah, craphound.com. Yeah. And but, um, uh, but anyway, back, so you had back, to... back to the original topic that I was making, saying we we do these on Mondays right. normally. Uh, this Monday, however, at least in the U.S., it's funny we have to clarify that now because we're international. Yay! Anyway, <laughs> this Monday in the U.S. was Memorial Day. Um, and it's, you know, a big holiday. Everybody gets off work. We had a barbecue because barbecues are fun. And generally a lot of people will celebrate. I mean, it's a memorial for all the people we've had in wars and things. And it's a big, you know, go USA day. Um, however, I twittered to somebody, Jed, I think I twittered to, who had said something, you know, about being super patriotic or whatever. Uh, the Bernard Shaw quote, patriotism is the firm belief that this country is better than all others because you were born there. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would have to say that that falls in line with the, the uh, colloquial understanding, I think, even though yeah. no one really articulates it quite that succinctly. But that's, that's sort of how patriotism 
I see patriotism. And since we were having uh, our special guest from all the way from across the globe here, uh, who's who is still last, American, by the way, who's still American, <laughs> yeah, um, who has spent how long have you been in Korea now? Uh, let me look at my time. calendar because I have okay. uh, labeled the weeks. Of course. That way it makes it much easier to count down sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What's today? I have been here uh, 22 weeks. Okay. So much so longer that's... than I've ever been in Korea. Oh, we should also yeah. mention that, that Julie is, is coming at us from the future, right? Yes, it is. Uh, I'm 14 hours ahead of you guys. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty amazing. So she's she's actually coming at us from from tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow morning. Yeah, tomorrow morning. <laughs> uh, but anyways, c- continue, Kevin. <laughs> um, and you know the the idea of patriotism. I just I kind of wanted to ask the question because we like asking questions here on Bad Philosophy. We do. Uh, what does it mean <clears throat> to be patriotic? He said, ignoring Stephen's snide comment. <laughs> what does it mean to be patriotic? Um, and and in the U.S., I mean, we've got you know some sort of idea in the back of our mind what what patriotism is and and what a patriot is. Um, and from you know a conversation I had with Julie a few weeks ago, last week, something like that, the the question of uh, when you know of, of you know a Korean is only a Korean if they're if they're a Korean, I think is how you put it, Julie. Uh, something like that, something maybe. Like that. Yeah, um, I could never the, be a Korean. You can't be a Korean because no. you're not, because yeah. you weren't born there. You don't look like a Korean, thus you are not a Korean. <laughs> yeah, and I don't uh, speak Korean. Yeah, but even if you became fluent in Korean, you could still never be a Korean. No, and that's an um, interesting concept. I mean that that's a a unique situation for some countries, uh, and one that I mean w- would completely not apply to the United States, I think. Right. I mean, we're, we're all about the melting pot thing, right? You know, yeah. bring mm-hmm. us your, your uh, tired, your poor, your huddled masses, whatever, it, however it goes. I mean, we're, there really isn't a, an American ethnicity. Right. <laughs> I we, mean, America is a nation of immigrants. There is no American race. Right. You know, so it really wouldn't make, uh, it's, it's just a situation that we're, we don't encounter. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I'm curious, Julie, do, do, are there like, immigrants to uh korea like can you legally Um, obtain korean citizenship or that i really don't know i know that you cannot have dual citizenship in korea um you have to be either korean or something else or something else yes you cannot have dual citizenship and actually i think that's related to another interesting thing um is if you are a korean male you are required to serve in the military for two years wow Um, Everyone has to serve in the military for, or all in, all Korean men must serve in the military for two years. So that means that um, every guy above the age of probably twenty five has military experience in the country. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Which, um, when you look at kind of the situation, I think it's quite understandable why they would have that requirement. But it's kind of. Um, Really weird to think about too. Well, so I guess so that that's kind of the first the first initial um, definition we might come up with for for patriotism is is you're you've been born in the country you're you're of the local ethnicity and so you kind of have that that's that's one reason I guess for you to to be patriotic but I don't I guess it really doesn't constitute 
an actual definition of patriotism. Mm -hmm. Um, Although you you kind of, the military thing kind of got me thinking about something else is we usually equate military service or support of the military with patriotism here in the United States. Um, I mean, you know, we have the support the troops thing. Uh, Memorial Day itself is is very much a a military honoring holiday, Um, kind of of remembering veterans, that sort of thing. And we, we tend to place... We tend to consider soldiers to be the greatest greatest patriots. Um, it, it sounds like, sort of, to me, Julie, that that's also the case in Korea. Would, would you say? Would you agree there? Um, I don't know. I think it's just kind of this thing that they're very used to. Maybe I don't know. It's really hard for me to kind of tell what people really think because um, a I don't think I've had too many extremely serious conversations with many Koreans. Um, uh, And they tend to kind of on really touchy issues not to talk about them. Uh. And um, I also cannot... uh, I can read Korean and I can understand tiny bits of Korean, but I cannot understand local media either. So I feel really a lot in the dark kind of about what is actually going on in people's minds hmm. a little bit. So I kind of have to infer things a lot. Hmm. Is there any sort of a, I'm, I'm just curious, is there any sort of an equivalent holiday in Korea to Memorial Day, something that, that honors you know, veterans of the, of the Korean War, for instance? Um, they had a Memorial Day, actually, a couple of days after I arrived here in Ulsan. I was in Seoul for... Or Seoul, I guess, as you people say it. <laughs> Seoul. Um, Seoul. Seoul. Uh, in Seoul for about five weeks before I actually moved down here. And they had Memorial Day. I remember there were flags up everywhere. But I guess maybe it was for the war. I'm not a- exactly sure. Huh. Um, I can Google it. <laughs> <laughs> we do have feel, the internet at our know. fingertips. I do have the internet <laughs> at my fingertips. But anyway, they, I don't know, there was some kind of Memorial Day in March. But this is saying, okay, yes, June 6th, which is a couple of weeks. They uh, they do have a Memorial Day for people who lost their lives in the Korean War. Huh. So, yes, it well, I exists. Because June 6th is the, uh, the D-Day invasion for us, right? Is it? Is that June 6th? Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, what? what do we... I don't know that Korea was in any way involved with... With, with the... D-Day? I mean, well, I don't, I don't know if they no, were involved. I, I'm I think that's probably sure. just a coincidence. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Korea, Korea was probably... They were occupied by Japan for a while around that... Actually, I think kind of uh, around the end of World War II, when we bombed Japan... I yeah. think we also kind of kicked them out of Korea because I think they were occupying Korea. Is, does Korea fall in the area of Manchuria? Where is Manchuria? Because I know this I is this is a Google <laughs> moment, right? Or when was Korea like? I don't even know what Manchuria established is. as a state. Because uh, I don't think it has been for long. It's gone through a very tumultuous history. I, Julie, I'm, I'm sure yeah. you're more familiar with Korean history than we are. But. Um, I think a lot of people describe Korea as like the country that's been kicked around a lot. And, yeah. Um, actually, the book I had to read for the honors college before I came um, kind of described Korea as being similar to Poland or Ireland. Oh. Um, huh. Okay. 
Because, yes, for, I mean, China's kicked them around a little bit. Japan has done some horrible things to Korea. And uh, Koreans really kind of still don't like Japanese people that much. Interesting. Huh. Um, Yeah, they were occupied by Japan. They have their Independence Day, which is in September. August. uh, August. Oh, it's the same as India's, yeah. Yeah, uh, Um, Japan force annexed... Korea until 15 August 1945. Okay, yeah. So that's Korean's Independence Day. Is their independence from Japan? From Japan, okay. <laughs> Which is is relatively recent on the scale of things. Yeah. You compare that to our Independence Day, which is, you know, 200 plus years ago. Theirs is 60, 65. It'll be 65 years. I mean, there's, there's people who were alive when Korea was part of Japan. Well, sure, but yeah. I mean, Korea as as a region has been around for thousands of years. Right. Their Korean... culture is very old. Yeah. Okay. It's very old. So, I mean, we're talking, you know, an American culture has been around for about as long as the nation has been around, you know, maybe 100 or so years beforehand. But, I mean, Korea has been an occupied region for, for many thousands of years. And it's, yes. it's kind of been its its own eth- ethnic group, right? For for all that period of time, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just They're I don't definitely... think it was like politically established as a state until like recently. Right. In fact, I'm not sure, but I think the uh, the Korean War probably I, I I don't know if that sparked from the establishment of of Korea well, as a state. What happened or not was, it was going to be... what happened was uh, the Russians and the Chinese kind of were in the north part and then the americans were occupying the south right and that's it's really kind of all related still to the the, the cold war in a way yeah, yeah it's definitely. kind of the um just the deals kind of behind the countries that came in after japan was kicked out <laughs> yeah i mean if i remember my history correctly um it was like after after japan was gone china tried to occupy the northern part of Korea or, or like all of Korea but right. but it wasn't it wasn't they didn't have direct military involvement initially China only got involved after a year or two of the Korean War um, I'm pretty sure once China got involved that's when we like but totally China's backed out been one of those companies that has pushed Korea around over the centuries <laughs> right like their their various regimes have have exerted control over the region for a long time um, let's see yeah, there's, there's not a really good lead-up portion in the Wikipedia article, but... We're basically reciting things from Wikipedia. Yeah, we, we are. We can just tell the audience, if you want to know more than we do, go look at Wikipedia. <laughs> go look at the Wikipedia article. Um, but we're, let's, let's go ahead and go back to the, the sort of uh, cultural uh, differences sort of a thing. One... One thing that happened happened very recently, and, and I'm, I'm sure, Julie, that you've you've heard a little bit about this or maybe seen something on, on the local news, um, but North Korea, which has, for the better part of the last decade or more, um, been sort of the, the attention grabber of the region. Um, Kim Jong-il is an egotistical, maniacal dictator, essentially, um, who has repeatedly tried to acquire a nuclear weapon, and they recently did succeed. In 2006, North Korea had their first nuclear test. Uh, it was a big deal at the time. And they recently had another one uh, just a few days ago, 
followed by um, a formal, uh, formally backing out of the armistice that ended the Korean War, uh, sort of in yeah. response to some kind of a uh, arms non-proliferation agreement that South Korea recently entered, um, PLI, I think it's called. And uh, it's caused a big hubbub in the media, of course, big you know fears about uh, military action and such. But uh, my initial feeling is it's more just sort of posturing by North Korea, you know, trying to get back into the uh, the center of attention and you know get some international recognition finally. Uh, but how do uh, how do people perceive it there locally, Julie? Like, is there much fear, or is it just kind of meh? Um, actually, that's the thing is I have no idea. Um... I didn't even know about the the whole the whole thing that was going on yesterday until I uh, came back to my room, kind of late at night. Got on the internet, got on Twitter, and Brian Macias, like ten hours ago, had been like, "Julie, you should be watching the news." Right, right. And I was like, "What's going on?" Like, I I don't know. I don't don't watch TV, so that kind of rules out that option. Um, I don't know. I guess I don't really talk about that kind of stuff with people. So nobody around you has been really talking about this? Not to me, anyway. <laughs> Maybe amongst themselves, probably a lot. Maybe. I don't know, but uh, as a foreigner, maybe not so much. What are what are kind of the, the general perceptions of, of the North from the South that, that you've been able to pick up on? People think it's sad, <laughs> but um, kind of economically... They are so, so different that I think some people consider, uh, I don't know, I've kind of picked up a, from a few people that the, the concept of kind of being reunited would be economically really hard. Ah, uh, I see. So, so, so kind of these sort of, um, these, the countries have gone on independent paths since, um, yes, since very the split. Yes, so. Okay. Culturally, um, though, is there still enough of a similarity that that folks from the north relate to folks from the south, and vice versa? Or, um, I mean, as far as kind of ancient or older, I mean, they've only been separated for fifty years, right? But uh, I mean, culture has changed a lot. Yeah, I in think that time, in those fifty years, yeah, like because South Korea is now like a just like a bustling like urban center, and so, like there's. It's a really wealthy state, isn't it? Like, yes, yes. And North Korea is just like po. They like, I, if you, <laughs> like they, you can see a satellite map at night, like the night satellites, where it shows the lights in North Korea and South Korea, and South Korea is just totally lit up, like it's completely bright. And North Korea, there's not a single light on. It's completely dark. That's yeah. So I mean, I'm pulling this up on Google. Of if course, that, right and now. I'm sure you know that. I mean, culture. You know, the the economy. You know, dictates a lot of what the uh, cer- certain like cultural goings on in, in these countries. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm pulling up an image here um, <laughs> that that Jordan was referring to. Uh, it is it is pretty uh, pretty stark. The the difference in you know, normally these these light maps are are just sort of population density uh, graphs. They're not actual uh, light pictures, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing in North Korea. <laughs> so those don't oh, actually correspond it. to like actual lights on the street. They just kind of like they're just kind of created 
is like assumptions of like how many people live in those. Well, or just it, yeah, I'm not sure. Usually, usually it's population <coughs> density, but um, yeah, it's. <laughs> um, anyways, though, so one thing. Getting back to patriotism, um, the the North seems to have uh, so seems to be much more nationalistic in in its uh, general tenor. Um, have, have you picked up much on that, uh, Julie, or, or can you really speak on that much? Um, from reading the news and things like like that, I mean, you see the pictures. Yes. Um, and they're just completely nuts. Uh, they're kind of, <laughs> they kind of like freak me out, really, um, just to see the, the pictures of everyone lined up and all in uniform. And, um, you know, they, re- they refer to the South Korea's government as a puppet government. Um, being a puppet of the United States, of course, is yeah. what they refer to it as. But it's, I don't know, it's kind of, it really kind of almost makes me think uh, or wonder how much propaganda we are even fed. Um, because of, from what I've kind of gathered is North Koreans think, you know, their situation may be rough, but it's not, you know, but their dear leader, Kim Jong-il, is there to you know, take care of them and... Um, you know, the rest of the world's much worse off, of course. Right. You know, Americans are starving, and, which is quite obvious. <laughs> right, you know? Um, I don't know, it, sometimes it makes me wonder kind of how much propaganda we accept easily. <laughs> well, that, that's know? definitely a topic for another day. But well, or, I think or, it's right. a topic for today. Perhaps um, it is, because a lot of the patriotism that comes around Memorial Day is, is very much propaganda. Um, we have an abundance of films about World War II. <laughs> um, I would probably films, video to games, say an overabundance. Books, yes, um, it's, it's very cards. glamorized, a, a very, a very um, idolized war from the American perspective. And a lot of our patriotism does come from, hey, you know, remember when we beat the Nazis and remember when we could win a war? Yeah, remember? <laughs> well, when it was, and of course. At the time, World War II itself was, even though it was one of the, the most clear-cut of all the wars, it, it still had some, some horrible ambiguities that were just glossed over uh, because the media was so much more controlled at the time. I mean, Americans didn't see real, you know, honest reporting of the war during the war. Um, that was that was something that didn't happen until Vietnam. So we kind mm-hmm. of, but that public perception of the war is kind of you know that we're the good guys and we're we were winning and um, never really even showing a dead body in in newsreel footage um, has sort of proliferated down the years and and we never really we never really got the actual picture until things like uh, Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers came out. And you know, really saw exactly what World War II looked like, um, but we still we still glamorize the war. It's not like that's that's changed the perception much at all. No, I I think the that the grittiness of it came about not because we were looking for truth of the war or you know the the grim realities of it. It came because of the 1980s and the 1990s when you know gritty became the end thing to be. Um, you know that was the deal um at around you know around that time it was it was important to be to be real and gritty i mean even to this point in time with with stuff like uh the dark knight the the movie it's a situation where we want that gritty realism but 
in our heads, it's still fantasy. Sure. We don't think about, about you know, the storming of Normandy. Normandy at the beach? Yeah. Yeah. Beginning of Saving... Yes. The opening scene of Saving Private Ryan. We know, in my mind, I know that that is a fake scene. That is not happening. That's a movie. And I can't equate that to the the atrocities that happened when we ran up those beaches and were gunned down. Or, or even more to the point... The, the atrocity that was nuking two major cities in Japan. Right. Yeah. The fact that we killed millions of people with a single implement is something that is horrific and atrocious, but we're glad we did it because it ended the war. Allegedly. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of controversy in well, history again, about that, too. Prop. I mean, that's, that's the propaganda that yeah. we are told that we dropped the bomb to win the war, we won the war when we dropped the bomb, and if we hadn't, we'd have had to occupy Japan to this very day because they, the Japanese don't surrender. And, yeah, I mean, these are things that, that are, are public consciousness, whereas, as you say, you know, compare that to Vietnam or even our current situation, which is not officially a war, but that's another argument for another day. We, we see the, the truth of it. I mean, you know, we've had, what, 4,000, 5,000 soldiers die in, the Iraq, in Iraq and Afghanistan yeah, in, like that. in that, that grouping, um, whereas we lost, uh, I want to say 25,000 in, in World War II. 25,000 seems though. Someone look up the numbers. Oh, on no, that. Oh, was, no, we lost it something. It was way more, more than that. that I'm pretty sure it was really? about 300,000, okay. actually. Yeah. Yeah. And we lost okay. we lost about ten thousand at Normandy alone. The the um, Russians lost twenty million people in World you know, War. You know, I remember the Russians right. lost far more than everybody else, which is kind of frightening. But there are mainly because of the, the meat grinder that was Stalingrad. <laughs> well, there, there's actually there's a, there's a thing about that. I was watching a show on tanks, and they're talking about the Russian tanks um, during World War II, and the idea that they weren't good, but they had thousands of them. Yeah. And one of the commanders actually said, you know, when discussing quantity over quality, he says, quantity has its very own quality. Uh, and that's, that was a very Russian mindset in that time <laughs> period. But I mean, okay, we lost, you know, 300,000 American soldiers, and we've been in Iraq, Afghanistan, for longer than that already. Yeah. But we don't, but we see it now. Exactly. We see those losses. Um, we don't. We don't have them affecting us the same way that we do with um, that we that we did at that period in time, which I think has changed the nature of being a patriot. Um, you know, you look at Vietnam, which was very a very anti-patriotic time, uh, pointing to the hippies, the war protests, things like that. It was very it was very bad to be against the war. It was, it was a very good thing to be against the war and, you know, hate the government, which I'm still in favor of hating the government. <laughs> and compare that to today where, you know, we hate the war, but we support our troops, which right, which is, is a little contradictory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I never get that. But, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think Vietnam was the first time that, like, Americans realized – that, like, Americans could say maybe America isn't always the good guy. Like, and I think that's that's definitely something that – that you see, like, in the media coverage and stuff of, like, the war now. And maybe that's partially why it drags on so long. Well, and it's resulted in, in a, a diminishing of, of sort of that blind patriotism right. that, mm -hmm. that came in, in previous generations. Um, it's much more of a, of a calculated support. And, and again, it's, it's sort of that you have to then define it. You know, you're, you're a patriot when it comes to the government or, you know, maybe our, our system of government, but not when it comes to the military. Um, 
and even even when it comes to the government, um, there's a lot of a question of, well, does patriotism mean support without criticism? And I think that that's kind of worked its way into the colloquial understanding. Um, certainly, folks like Ron Paul disagree adamantly with that position and say that. Let me that see if no, I can find. What's that? There's 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 a note that someone who is a friend of mine on Facebook um, wrote. I will keep this person anonymous because I'm about to speak of them unflatteringly. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. Um, well, while you're looking for it, I'll, I'll yeah. continue. Yeah, Ron position is actually completely antithetical. He says, no, criticism is the definition of, of the essence of patriotism. Um, that that to, to be patriotic is to kind of keep the government in check, which is a is very um, you know, founding father-ish ideal. Um, you know, very, it kind of goes back to the, the core constitutional idea of the people control the government rather than the other way around. And uh, sort of the V for Vendetta articulated it like, um, you know, gover- people should not fear their governments, governments should, should fear, fear their, their people. Their people. Yeah. Uh, and that's sort of the definition of patriotism. And, and certainly I, I've seen in, in many other countries, especially in Europe, uh, the idea of, of protesting is, is at the heart of what it means to be a patriot. Because, you oh know, if you gosh. really love your country, you want to make your country better. And you do that through, you know, massive, massive group protests, you know, bringing about change. Which Versus- I actually got to experience a protest um, in the middle of Seoul accidentally. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, uh, I was, I actually probably learned the most about kind of the political situation. Um, then I was with my, my really good friend. She just graduated with her doctorate degree from tech. Uh, her name is Bogum. But uh, she's back in Korea now, and so I went to stay with her for the weekend. And um, we were walking with this uh, other friend. We were walking kind of through downtown Seoul one evening and um, started seeing police buses. And I don't mean like five. I mean like I probably saw two to three hundred buses oh, uh, lining, lining the streets. Like, you know, like say police on them. And then you started seeing like... Um, like groups of police officers. I probably saw several thousand police officers, I would have to say. It was, it just, mind, it blew my mind. Um, just walking through, I actually did not see very many protesters, um, though. And my, my friend got pretty angry um, because the, the government that's here in power right now has only been in power for about a year. And there, um, by kind of standards here, they're extremely conservative. Uh. Um, and the former president, the one who actually committed suicide last Friday, um, I don't know, I'll, I've noticed kind of in the articles, they, they kind of mentioned that he was involved in a scandal, but they don't mention that he was an extremely good man. <laughs> huh. and actually, probably one of the least corrupt leaders that they've ever had. So... Hmm. Um, and that's what but drove any, him mad? <laughs> well, the accusations came out, and actually my Korean teacher explained this to us a couple of days ago, but she was explaining in Korean and kind of drawing lots of pictures and being very dramatic so we would understand. And um, she kind of thought that, um, you know, basically it kind of, he didn't want his reputation to be tainted hmm. as a, um, because he, he really was kind of the, the good guy, I guess, as you'd put it, 
politics because in the past um, leaders took a lot of money from companies that's kind of how you got elected is you got a big company to back you and um, gee that that's, so I, that sounds so unfamiliar I, I, <laughs> I guess well, more I, blatantly than what goes on here yeah um, I was telling <clears throat> Kevin yesterday that like uh, I guess in America you say Hyundai is that how you pronounce the car company Hyundai, Hyundai, yeah. Hyundai. That's how I Hyundai. Say it. sorry it, we say it like, like it rhymes with Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's Hyundai. And so I, I have to mind myself. <laughs> Their ads <laughs> say that. They say Hyundai, like Sunday. Yeah. The ads actually say but that. But it, it is. Yeah, they say that in America. They say it in America. Hyundai. But um, Hyundai owns, like, everything. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a Hyundai department store here. There's, I don't know, that you see it stamped on everything. Everyone drives a Hyundai car. Wow. Like, I've probably seen, when I, since I've been in Korea, maybe a handful of foreign cars. Most, it's like Hyundai, Hyundai. Everything looks the same. It's really fun. Huh. But um, where was I going with all this? I was going um, somewhere. You're talking about how corporations well, back political parties and stuff. And, and pro, it started from the pro, protesting thing, sort of like... Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. the protest. But apparently... Um, my friend got really, really mad um, and was saying that kind of that the, the government is trying to control more of the media or, or something. And, um, they, you know, the, it really kind of seemed very unnecessary that there were that many police officers running around. Um, and we got out of that area as quickly as possible. Um, good call. But, yeah, it, it was probably a good call. But... It kind of seemed like they were going to just have some kind of peaceful protest, but the the government really wanted to kind of discourage that, which was really strange. Koreans are really known for protesting. Um, really? <laughs> and it's um, only kind of recently has it become a little easier to do that, I think. I'm pretty sure kind of in the 80s, like a lot of people were shot when they were protesting. Oh, <laughs> um, even in South Korea. Yes, yes. Because they've only really kind of had a true democracy for about 20 years. Huh. Uh, which, I don't know, it's been, it's kind of interesting. Well, it's still, I mean, you usually don't see uh, shows of force of, of that magnitude unless there's a, a major international conference here. <laughs> like, we, we haven't really seen massive protests in the United States for a long time. I mean, and, and I mean truly massive, like on the scale of, of Vietnam protests. It, most of most of the stuff has been, you know, marches for uh, breast cancer or gay rights or whatever. But they they don't usually exceed a few thousand, maybe ten thousand people. And you know, never never do we you know break out the the tear gas and the <laughs> right. the the, sh- the riot shields much anymore. Mainly because, really, we just don't protest that much or that violently. I think, in general, Americans have become very much more disinterested in, like, political activism. Yeah. Be it through, like, protesting or even just through voting or doing it formally. Like, I think there's kind of a lot of apathy as far as that goes. Like, people people will readily complain about situations but won't do anything about it. Sure. Yeah. I, I have example... Um, going back to kind of kind of what you're saying, Jordan, um, I found that the note written by the person I know um, who's who's complaining about 
um, someone else on a page for the United States of America, as in, like, I'm a fan of the United States of America on Facebook. <laughs> oh. um, and some guy was apparently complaining about how the U.S. has been called a Christian nation, um, which we're really... We were founded to be a non-religious nation, right. so anytime that, that word is kind of thrown around, it's kind of annoying. But um, And then he, he makes fun of the guy for having a foreigner name. Um, I, I won't say the other that's guy's uncool. name either. Cause, that, that's but pretty he, uncool, yeah. Yeah, he's like, his name was such and such, by the way. Just kind of throwing that out there. Uh, but anyway, he goes, anyways, my roommate made the comment that the good old USA, US of A is 94% Christian, more than Saudi Arabia, yet they're referred to as a Muslim nation. Uh, why can't we be referred to as Christian? A, we're not... Uh, 94% Christian. We're about. Uh, hold on, I I got the numbers up here and I commented on his note as well. Um, 74% Christian. Yeah, I was gonna say that that number is extremely inaccurate. <laughs> and Saudi Arabia has a Muslim government, which is why they're called a Muslim nation. Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, it's it's the national nation. But th- this is sort of an example of of that whole blind patriotism. So this, this is what he responded. You know, this, the, this great nation of ours is founded by Christian men on Christian principles. We speak English. We go to church on Sundays. We watch baseball and football while eating greasy cheeseburgers, hot dogs, and nachos. We drink beer. We smile as we pass the people on the streets or wave at them as we pass them in our truck. We tell our families we love them. We lend out a hand when a friend in need needs one. And we, this is in all caps, stand up to defend our nation when called upon. End caps. We came from a nation of religiously intolerant leaders and thus the pilgrims, Quota- not quotations, parentheses, Christians, founded our nation with the help of a few friendly Indian folk. <laughs> we have been tolerant of other people's cultures and religions over the years, so much so that we've even started to limit our own cultural expressions for fear of offending the people who came over to my, in caps, country for what America has to offer. If you'd rather live in a non-Christian nation, I'll help you pack, buddy. America. M-E-R-I-C-A. America. Uh, I, I'm sorry, was this... Wow, that's like... That was like so... Perfectly packaged. It was like the archetypal, like, like American stereotype, like packaged into one man. I, and I almost wonder, like, was this person being facetious? They had to have no, been joking. They were not. Oh I know this person. God. There's more. America. And yes, I really did end it with America. That's a quote. Followed by, <laughs> yes, and I live in Texas. And yes, I'm a member of the National Rifle Association. Uh, haha, my roommate and I are collaborating against that anti-American SOB. Crazy some bitch won't know what hit him. Oh, when I was listening to Leonard Skinner while I wrote it, ha 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 ha, America. I, I'm uh, pretty sure that was written facetiously. That's got to be. No, yeah, that's got to be. I wish. I, I wish believe this it. Was. I because, believe it. Um, here's here's some more. Like he's got 14 people that like this note. Um, some <laughs> some random sampling of uh, of comments. The I'll get both good and bad, but um, <laughs> USA, USA, we kicked everyone's asses who threatened in the American way of life, so bring it, you anti-American SOB. Yippee-ki-yay. yay sorry. Yeah. Seriously, Whatever. if you don't like it, then you can get the hell out. Hua, your awesome name of person who wrote note. Uh, haha, I do what I can. Um, and then here's here's an actual, like, you know, relatively intelligent response. Yeah, this reminds me of that tolerant part you talked about. Uh, you know, I love you, but you're an idiot. And realize that intolerance is the reason people dress in white garb and burn crosses, strap bombs in their chest and blow up buses and cafes. So that's a, a response. It's not a good response. Mine was better. 
<laughs> of course. Uh, to which another person, a person responded to the first one, dude, I have no problem with you, but anyone who talks bad about this country doesn't reserve my respect because I have friends and family overseas fighting and I have lost people very close to me because someone thought they couldn't push us around and get away with it. I leave in the fall for boot camp to protect this great country and I'd be proud to die to protect her too. Mind you, none of that was punctuated or capitalized. Um, <sighs> I showed up with a few little facts such as the 74% Muslim nation, Muslim government. Um, I said the USA was founded by Christians who wanted to be free in their religious religion as well as letting others be free in the same way. I linked to the First Amendment of the Constitution on that one. <laughs> um, as far as offending people who came to your country, I'm born and raised in America, Texas no less. I'm offended by this hand, hand-waving argument that makes all Americans out to be the same. Um, I also then listed my creds of being in the NRA, having more guns than you know what to do with, and being happy about it. I'm a Christian, and I like Leonard Skinner, but that didn't make me any more American than liking beer or football does. Yeah. To which he, he responded, my point is that we don't go over to Mexico or Saudi Arabia or other countries and start raising hell and trying to completely impose our will on them. Ah, uh, but we do go to those countries, and <laughs> yeah. we expect people to speak English to us. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. There, I, I, like, Julie, how, how is the, the English um, saturation in Korea? Uh, it, Korea, I think, is on the very low end of the English-speaking ability spectrum. But I think they spend the most money trying to learn English. Ah. Uh, which is really different. weird. Which is it's, very useful for someone in your situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I found that a lot less people here speak English than in India. In India, well, they were also occupied by the British. The British but, for a long time, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of people speak absolutely no English um, and even on the university campus, most of the people I've met kind of – like the people I know actually speak some English. I've gotten to meet well. But the other people – I mean they started studying English in like elementary school. And they still – I mean all the way through high school. They had to probably pass a – I know they ha- you have to pass – it's very competitive to get into college here. And so I know that there's an English portion on their exam. But um, – it's extremely limited. Extremely limited. Yeah. Um, but then a lot of people assume because I'm white, I get stared at a lot, obviously. Um, <laughs> but that I cannot speak any Korean, which I don't know. One of the one of the things that really I get really frustrated when I go to a restaurant and the lady walks up and hands me the English menu that. Um, they have obviously taken the Korean and copied and pasted into an internet or something translator. <laughs> so you get, you get things like, and one restaurant I took a picture of the menu, and one of the items was a mother hand blue tasty director of a bureau. <laughs> what? <laughs> wait, 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 repeat that? A mother hand tasty blue director of a bureau. <laughs> a mother hand tasty blue director of a bureau? That's, this was a food item? The picture is on my Facebook. I, it's in that. It's like, is it like a plate of noodles or something? I don't know. Um, I took it like this. I would have ordered that. And I would have ordered it in English and said that. <laughs> I, I, that was like the third week I was in Korea. So I, did, I, I have no idea what it really was. Um, Along on that menu was other things that, oh, I can't, I don't know, it's, I've kind of become immune to that kind of stuff, I guess. Um, if you're bored, you can always go out and just read English t-shirts for fun. Wow. Um, because they don't make 
any sense most of the time. <laughs> but uh, but are seen... they pretty popular? Like, is, is stuff in English kind of uh, hip? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I have a hard time. I like sometimes to go out and buy stationery because it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, it's It just has all this all this writing all over it, and it's... The English is horrible, or it, and a lot of times it's hard to find it that actually, you know, something that doesn't have English written on it. I found some stationery with Korean on it. I was very happy, um, and I don't know what it says, but <laughs> so I'm just as ignorant. Well, I kind of can pick up the meaning. Um, you know, it says I love, 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 love something because Koreans <laughs> love really, really like cutesy stuff. It's hilarious. <laughs> I bet um, Hello Kitty is huge. Hello Kitty has. Oh my gosh. It's ridiculous. Have you seen any Hello Kitty rice cookers? I know they have. Those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you should get one of those just to have. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You, okay, you have to bring some what? of that back with you, Julie. I'm sorry. Yeah, I want a menu that, that, that has all those things on it. I will pay you for this menu. Please yeah, can steal you, can one just... for, from a restaurant for me. Yeah. Actually, I just—it was in a window. Uh, what else was on it? Okay, there was a a cool cold noodle was on there. <laughs> a cool cold um, noodle. There's uh, handmade knife cut noodles. <laughs> there's uh, country pig iron plate. <laughs> country pig, country iron, pig plate. iron. Let's see. Um, then there's marine product seasoned rice cake proper form. <laughs> marine product. <laughs> Which is another way of saying fish. <laughs> Marine product. I love rice cake season. Well, it's either it's either marine product, it's either fish, or something from the military. Yes. Oh, okay, wait. Hey, Marine more, product is hey, just like everything that swims in the ocean thrown into like a blender. <laughs> Anything they caught. The equivalent Marine of product. It's, it's sausage of the it's, sea. Yeah, it's hot dogs. It's it's <laughs> yeah. fish hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see oh. oh the last thing on the menu was the iron plate buys as bro- as boiled rice with a store assorted mixtures proper form boiled rice with assorted mixtures plus soybean paste plus marine products green onion pancake i'll have three <laughs> oh, pancake? Uh, yes i'm like i want one now this is making me hungry yeah i guess we got on this topic i guess we're talking about getting stared at yeah people assume a lot of things that's about, unfortunate uh yeah it, it really is um i kind well, of feel like lumped into a group a lot of times kind of like you are well I, the, the word i hear the most in korean is foreigner because i hear it as i walk past people all the time oh wow um I, yeah actually i got on a bus i went i wanted to go to an orchestra concert one evening, the school orchestra was going to have a concert, and I thought, well, I'm a music major. haven't seen an orchestra concert in a while. Might as well go. So they had a shuttle bus, and I, I walked on the bus, and um, it got really quiet, kind of. And then you heard a lot of people going, oh, and, and like, wagukin, wagukin, foreigner. It's a foreigner. Oh, my gosh. Like, and then, but nobody, like, was talking to me. 
They were just talking near you. So they probably just assume you don't know what they're saying. Yeah, and and I guess that that's not considered like socially impolite to just talk about a person while they're there. <laughs> I don't know. I do it all the time because I know people don't understand me. Right. <laughs> but you kind of um, understand them. Yeah, in a sense. Um, I'm that might come back and bite me one day. Yeah. But I don't know. I've kind of had um I've had people a lot of people say, you know, in America they make these statements like in America, everyone is fat. Or hey, actually, in America, that, that's pretty close to the truth. Yeah, it's not entirely untrue. <laughs> yeah. Well, I yeah, and that's that's right. But it's kind of um, a lot of times I feel like you know, in a, in Western people are like this, and Koreans are like this. Huh. And then I think about it, I'm like, oh, not not all Western people are like that. Or so it sounds like the, these blind generalizations are, are common in, in both cultures. Yeah, we do, yeah. That. we do that with cultures, too. Yeah, we do that all the exactly. time. We're not proud of it. Well, some people are, but we don't like those people. Well, we, we heard from one of those people just, just yes, recently. Exactly. <laughs> and I kind of wonder, like, is, is, that, is that sort of what it takes to be patriotic? To sort of, you know, we, we have to create a stereotype for ourselves that we're going we're gonna to get behind, and it has to be... In, in contrast to all of these other stereotypes of other nations that, that they get behind. And, you know, it just becomes this, this huge um, polemic. Uh, I, I just, I wonder if that's a horrible way to go about. <laughs> I, think, I think so, because I think patriotism and nationalism are just kind of extensions of, like, the human tendency to, like, form gangs and mobs and, like, want to, want to be part of a group and stuff. And right. so, like... When you have a group of people that just, you know, like really, you know, hates everyone else for a not really well-defined reason. <laughs> yes, I don't think exactly. that's uh, <laughs> I don't think that's healthy in any way. Because, I mean, when you think about it, you know, our, our political boundaries and stuff, are, are the countries that we live in, it's really just, it's all just created by us. It's all invisible. Like, there's, we, we made all of this. Like, there's no... You know, there's there's no reason why there needs to be a border between, you know, the United States and Mexico or uh, North Korea and South Korea. It's just mm-hmm. people saying, you know, uh, we don't like the other guys for whatever reason. <laughs> right. And so this is the way it's, it's going to be. get off my turf. It yeah. is. It's very much. Exactly. This is my turf. Don't be on my turf. Now, at the same time. But the, at the same time. Go ahead, Stephen. Well, yeah, I was going to say, at the, at the same time, there's also something that can be said for uh, for having sovereign nations um, and, and borders. Um, it, you know, for political control, for one thing. I mean, you, you know, if you have such ambiguity that it's hard to tell, well, who's <laughs> who's in what region, and and you know, what what rules are they supposed to follow? Really, um, it it gets to be a problem. Uh, you know, trade between nations, and and certainly for for cultural identity. I, I mean, I think there's a very positive thing in being able to say, well, we we come from from this background. We are we are this people. We have these values, and we have these these foods and these these practices. Um, and when those kind of get mixed together with other things, you you sort of you lose that that uniqueness, that individualization. Um, so you know, we we run a risk of of trying to say, well, you know, if you, if you're too if you're too integrationistic. Um, you can you can kind of lose those those unique those special things, but anyway. So yeah. what were you going to say, Julie? I was going to say, and language plays a huge role in this. I yes. think I, I figured out even more recently because, like I say, I I'm really not able to hear about kind of what's really going on um, because I one just can't communicate with people. 
if and I've noticed too, uh, being an international student, which is kind of funny to say. <laughs> um, kind of when I when I see international students, we had a, a kind of a festival on Friday last Friday that was just so fun. It was a blast. But uh, you notice that the the Chinese students kind of stick together, and they're all speaking Chinese. And the Vietnamese students all kind of you know hang out together and do stuff together. And and people were very much separated by their. Um, kind of country that they come from, and honestly, a lot of it probably just has to do with language um, and being able to communicate um, with other people and identify with people. Um, because it it can get really frustrating sometimes when I'm trying to explain something to my Mongolian classmate who doesn't speak English, and we both speak very limited Korean. So, uh. and I sure don't speak Mongolian. So, um, there's there's kind of only so much of a understanding that we can really build there and it's based on my knowledge of korean which is really scary but um yeah well i've seen we've of course seen this this battle uh come up here in the united states a lot of folks have wanted to make english the official language of the united states for a long Mm -hmm. time and we've we've had a lot of resistance from the the powers that be to that um mainly because it, it does create sort of an exclusivism when it comes to, uh, yeah. to our, you know, our American culture. And it, it kind of says, well, you know, if you don't speak English, you're not welcomed here. Uh, now, granted, um, you know, Johnny, what's his name from the, the note just now would probably be very much in favor of having English as the official <laughs> language and kicking out anyone who doesn't speak it. Um, but English is rapidly becoming sort of the universal language of the world. Um, we've, we've seen you know, in Europe, Everybody knows English. Uh, it's it's right. taught in the schools right along the the, the native language. Um, here in the United States, it's it, it's practically the official language. In the southern states, we have sort of a you know the bilingual department store signs and such, but it's it's more of a business choice than anything. They they understand that there's a strong demographic coming in from Latin American countries, so they're serving a need. But um, in 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 most cases, um, folks coming here to the U.S. know at least a, a passable amount of English. Uh, and I, I only had very rare cases uh, working at Radio Shack where I, I absolutely had to speak Spanish to the customer. There was nobody in their group that, that knew any English. That, that didn't happen too often. <laughs> but in those cases, right. it, it did sort of make it hard to, you know, as, as to, to really relate to the person. When you, when you can't communicate with them, um, that just creates such a such a stark separation. Well, and, and even kind of culture is really related to language a lot too. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Kevin's having a mom moment. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, my mother is calling me. I was, I was trying out. not to be like loud about it, but <laughs> we're even now. We're even now, man. Fair enough. <laughs> but anyways, uh, you were saying, Julie? Oh, well, I mean, um, I mean, you find, and, and everybody kind of knows this, that in some languages there's really not um, words that translate exactly. Um, I don't know, I remember yesterday kind of being in class, and there we, I was looking at a sentence, and I just kind of looked at my teacher, and I was like, I don't know what this means like i understand all the parts of the sentence but i could not think of how to translate it in my mind and then she couldn't even really try to translate it um, huh kind of either which but i I understood kind of what it was saying but i don't know that i'm ever going to be able to uh say something like that because my mind doesn't 
really think that way. Hmm. Well, yeah, and which was really kind of interesting. I think that's an indicator of of how it's not even it's not just the language that's the barrier, but it the the culture the language is a reflection of culture. Yes, um, very much so. And and so when cultures are dramatically different, their languages will be different to the point that even if you can you, that you can't move from one language to another easily because the cultural mindsets are different. And and you know it's it's not true, but the the an ex, a a good kind of example to, to show the point is the you know the Eskimos have twenty seven words for snow or whatever it is, which is not true, but that but we nobody's surprised if you tell them that because. It's, it's a different culture. They have different words. You know? Right. Right. So, so imagine a, a society that didn't have a word for property would, would if, if they didn't have that concept, they wouldn't have a word for that. And there would be a dramatically different culture because of it, of, you know, this is mine and this is not mine. This is mine. This is yours. Yeah, it's a very good point. I mean, it, in, in sort of basic um, philosophy of language, we, we understand that, that concepts or that, that words uh, that specific languages map concepts to um, a, a verbal or a, a visual articulation, whether it's you know writing, um, signing, or speaking. Uh, but those concepts are sort of the the universal in question that gets that gets passed between people. Um, and, and sort of you know it's it's weird. Like some cultures don't have that that concept of of property or of uh, mm-hmm. of, of you know even interstellar travel you know how how could you how would you explain travel between stars to um, you know a culture that had never even conceived of space travel um, yeah, so so there's sort of a yeah I mean in, in cultures that lack that it's it is very difficult to to convey sometimes very important concepts because property itself is is at the heart of this reason why we have borders and, and governments and uh, you know companies and such. So uh, for someone to come in and say, well, you know, we, we own this land that you're living on, um, that was a foreign concept to the Native Americans, for instance. Uh, or the Indian folk, I guess, is... is and it worked people. out real well for them. <laughs> for to call them. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, very good point there. Well, uh, let's, let's go ahead and start wrapping up uh, the show then. Um, any, any final thoughts on, on patriotism? Um, I guess kind of, kind of bringing it back to where we started at the beginning, what are y'all's thoughts on Memorial Day? Should, should that continue to be a national holiday here in the United States, or do we need to like reevaluate it maybe? I, I don't think so. <clears throat> um, that, that we need to reevaluate it or that it should be a holiday? Oh, I don't, I don't think that we should like just get rid of it <laughs> um i think i mean it is important to have to have a con- to have your country and i mean you can kind of realize that i guess sometimes i, mean, I kind of miss america <laughs> yeah even even you know nationalism and patriotism aside and like memorial day is it as being like recognition of of like America's achievements, you know, or what, or the, I think it, it's more so it's about just the people who lost their lives and stuff, you know, you, yeah. it, it's, I mean, right. you know, political, you know, cultural things aside, like those people gave up their lives for a cause. I don't think there's anything wrong with remembering them and honoring them for that. Mm-hmm. I guess if you think the cause is, you know, a bad one, like the wrong cause, the wrong side, then that's one thing. But, but the important thing to remember is that they believed firmly in the cause. 
and right. sort of you know we're we're honoring perhaps less the the actual what they were doing as as much as the why or the uh you know the very fact that they were at the same time though you have to look at like germany and stuff in which like it like nazism and any any kind of like like you you can i think you can like go to prison for drawing like a swastika yeah. they're they're very very sensitive about um you know like nazism and stuff and i i don't know that they honor you know those that, that even though they they were fighting for a cause like they as a nation have decided that that cause is like really you know that they should tiptoe around it as much as possible and it well, is not to be talked about there's still there's still actually a, a lot of discussion over over this um we had we had a person come to the honors college who's actually a a nazi historian mm-hmm. and uh she said there's there's sort of an attempt to um to draw a line between the nazi movement and the wehrmacht you know the actual army that right. fought in world war Two. so there's a lot of there's sort of a, a want to support the troops without supporting the cause in Germany as well, right. um, because you know, hey, these were these were relatives of of the people. I mean, something several million um, yeah. of Germans died fighting for their country, and, and they were fighting for very similar reasons as the American and the British soldiers who died too. You know, maybe they they didn't really care about the the Nazi ideals, but right. they were they were fighting for their country, um, and so the. You know, I don't know if there's a, an actual Memorial Day in Germany, but there certainly is a, a want to to honor the sacrifice that was made, which yeah, is very much true. what we're doing here. You know, it's it's not we're not saying we 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 give direct support to exactly um, you know what their commanders were thinking, right. but we give support to that that action of of fighting and, and dying for one's country. Um, I guess, uh, Kevin, you're the only person we haven't heard from yet on this. <laughs> Does Memorial that count Day, as God wants law? <laughs> I, I, I was questioning it myself. I, I didn't want to call it, but since we brought it up, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. But we're talking well, about nationalism, man. <laughs> yeah, like, it's perfect. I it totally <laughs> set us up for it. I think That's this not... <laughs> is a, an instance where Godwin's law is allowed. <laughs> but, okay, go uh, ahead, Kevin. No, it's okay. What I was what I was gonna say is I think Memorial Day is a uh, a great day to have off from work, to have a barbecue, hang out with some people that you like, and uh, if you're lucky enough, a day off from school too. You know, you know how I spent Memorial Day, um, spending several hours making a uh, an ASL video of a Miley Cyrus song. And we appreciate Watched you. That, which, uh, which, if you if you would like, um, you, you masochists out there, if you would like to watch that on YouTube, I will put the link in the uh, the show notes, as it were. <laughs> I think you're the masochist, man. Why did you choose to do that? Um, that is a topic for another day, <laughs> or at least for the post show. Um, but, anyways, for now, we will uh, we will end it. Right there on, on Bad Philosophy. Um, thank you all to uh, all of you guests for coming on the show. Um, you can follow me at uh, S Torrance, S T O R R E N C E. Jordan Mueller, thank you for being on. Where can we follow you on Twitter? Uh, Jordan Mueller, J O R D A N M U E L L E R. I don't update often, but I do on occasion. So if you want to follow me, I'll probably follow you in return. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Julie, where can we follow you? Um, I am at JP. Meadows, M-E-A-D-O-W-S. 
Very cool. We really appreciate y'all uh, you staying up here and uh, and getting in on the show. Actually, it's morning for you, so thanks for thanks for getting up and being with us. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm only missing uh, a makeup Korean class right now, so it's no yeah. big deal. <laughs> well, we appreciate your sacrifice. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I told my teacher. She said okay. <laughs> Yay! Cool. And Kevin, uh, thanks for being on. Where can we follow you? Uh, I'm at Kevson. K E V S A U N D. All right. Well, we appreciate y'all being on the show. Thank you, listeners, for listening. And we'll see you next time on Bad Philosophy. Is Ford or Chevy more... More patriotic? More patriotic. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, Chevy is supposed to be the American Revolution. Well, yeah, but Ford is the best in Texas. Yeah, but outside of Texas, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll be sorry that you mess with the U.S. of A. Because we'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. Wolfram Alpha scares me. It scares you? Why does it scare you, Kevin? I thought you would love it. It's named after two of the worst baddies in Joss Whedon lore. Uh, that's true. Wolfram and Hart from uh, Angel and Alpha from Dollhouse. Like, these are not things we should be mixing. <laughs> yeah, but Stephen Wolfram is like a mathematical genius and it's his first Good for him. thing, so it's you know what? Alpha. You know what? Maybe he should name him after himself. Maybe it's a little too egotistical for my taste. <laughs> of the red, white, and blue. Bad Philosophy is brought to you by Skype Out and by Apple. Check out their offers through the affiliate section of our website. BadPhilosophy.com It's a squishy African. <laughs>